This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of Vice. It's Wednesday, March 15th. I'm Sophie Casas. Today, we want to know, is it possible for a ride-hailing app to be ethical? To answer this question, Vice journalist Ankita Rao did a deep dive into the world of ride-hailing. She looked at an app called Via, which is an alternative to Uber and Lyft. And she learned that VIA pays its drivers more, focuses on more environmentally friendly practices, and wants to decrease traffic congestion. But she asks, is there a catch? I sat down with her to find out. Hi, Ankita. Hey, Sophie. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. So in your recent feature for Vice, you sought out to ask the question, can a ride-hailing app be ethical? And your main case study for this article was an app called Via. And you looked at kind of how Via differs from Lyft and Uber. And I want to start with Via. What is the model of that company and that app as opposed to Lyft and Uber? So with Via, there's two things going on. So half of their company is focused on ride hailing, which is, you know, your sort of general Uber pool lift line type of thing. They focus on shared rides instead of individual rides. So you're usually riding with a bunch of people and often bigger cars than the sort of Toyota Camry um, Uber you might get. And unlike other ride sharing, ride hailing companies, Via's algorithm actually works a little bit differently. It works almost closer to something between a taxi and a bus. So it sort of runs along certain pathways in the city that make it more available to people. So instead of sort of on demand going back and forth between customers, it has drivers going up and down certain routes and picking up people on the way. The other half of the company is more of a software company and actually provides the technology for cities to use Via's algorithms and Via's mapping and bus stop technology for their own system. So if a city is trying to create a new bus system or revamp what it has, or if they're finding that nobody's riding their buses, they can use Via's system to sort of re-finesse what they have. So in that second case, when Via is working with cities, are they working as a consultant or are they selling their product? So they're actually selling their product. This is part of their revenue model, but they sell it in a way that the city doesn't actually have to acknowledge that they're using a VIA system anywhere. It's more just what technology they use underlying whatever they have. Gotcha. So we're going to get back to that part of VIA's model later in this interview. But to start, I just want to talk about the the part of VIA that's a little bit more like Uber and Lyft. And on a kind of basic comparison level, what do VIA drivers make on average as compared to Uber and Lyft? So it's definitely hard to say what a driver makes day to day. But in New York last year, the average that a VIA driver was making was in the $20 range. And the average that an Uber or Lyft driver were making for an hourly wage was more like 11 or $13. So there was a big discrepancy there. And I want to add the caveat that that was before 
a new regulation came in in December that requires all ride-hailing companies to pay their drivers a minimum wage, which puts everyone at least around 17. Yeah, and to go back to New York's fight to establish that minimum wage for rideshare drivers, you know, I think it's important to mention that Uber and Lyft both fought pretty hard against that decision. I'm curious, what was Via's stance on that issue? How different was it? So VIA actually supported the minimum wage change in a large part because they were already paying their drivers that much, so they didn't actually have to change anything about their model. And this is because VIA's payment model is very different than other companies. Instead of paying people per ride or per customer, VIA drivers have the option of getting paid per hour, which a lot of them choose to do. And that hourly rate, which you know works within a range based on sort of traffic and congestion and all sorts of other factors that they they use to inform that that rate, ends up being higher. So VIA publicly supported the minimum wage change. And I'm guessing here, but because Uber and Lyft will likely have to, you know, change their model, will maybe not be able to scale as fast. It also sort of serves Via to have something like this that checks the expansion of these companies. Yeah, that makes sense. So another part of Via that seems interesting that you brought up in your article is their goal of taking cars off the road and kind of decreasing congestion and thinking more environmentally than Uber and Lyft. Can you talk about kind of what they're doing there and sort of what their public-facing values around that are? Sure. So VIA focuses on shared rides, whereas Uber and Lyft, they have Uber, Pool, and Lyft line, but private car rides are still their main bread and butter, and that's where they started. VIA was sort of built off of this idea that its founders saw in Israel um, and in Tel Aviv with these private taxis called sherouts that are just shared taxis that sort of go up and down main avenues and streets picking people up and dropping them off. And so the idea here is that they're trying to be something between public transportation and private transportation. So they're less convenient than an Uber because they don't always pick you up at your doorstep, but they're more economical and they say environmentally sound because they still pick you up close enough that it's just a few steps away and far enough that it can still pick up more people at once and it's a shared ride. So in that sense, they want to be eliminating more private vehicles and private for hire rides by pooling people together, which as you know, would ostensibly take cars off the road. Whether or not this works is yet to be seen. It's very hard right now with so many for-hire companies on the roads and, you know, all these fluctuations in how people drive their cars to know whether or not shared rides are actually helping our traffic and congestion. But that's kind of the idea behind it. Gotcha. So I think this brings me to kind of the the big question here, which is we've talked about how via has a different pay structure. You can opt in to receive an hourly wage, you know, which is sort of just a different model of stability for drivers. Um, you know, VIA supported the minimum wage for rideshare drivers. They say that they want to decrease congestion on the roads. So there are all these things that seem more ethical than Uber and Lyft, and at the very least are better for the drivers. So why would you choose to drive for Uber or Lyft when you could choose to drive for Via? 
Um, so there's a lot of factors here. One is that anecdotally, drivers are more likely to be in unions or guilds under the other companies right now. Um, there's not a ton of VIA drivers in the guild or in the unions that are forming around sort of gig economy driving. So I think there is some solidarity there. Another reason is there's just a lot more Uber and Lyft, you know, not only in New York, but in, in other cities. VIA only operates in three major cities in the U.S. right now in, you know, for its ride hailing part of its company. And Uber and Lyft operate in tons and tons and tons of places. And so drivers don't even have that option outside of Chicago, D.C. and New York. So that's a huge reason, too. If we talk about within New York, I think there's also just a little bit less restriction on driving an Uber and Lyft and toggling between the apps. A lot of drivers use several apps at once, which you can't do if you're on an hourly via salary. So I think some people prefer that flexibility. So there's a lot of different things at play here that may not make sense when you're looking at the bottom line wage salary, but in terms of sort of behavioral economics, you know, might have people driving for different companies. Yeah, I also want to talk about benefits because it seems like that's something that kind of is a thread throughout all of these companies is that you know, even if you're driving 10 hours a day, six days a week, you don't have the same benefits as, you know, a regular full-time job would hopefully give you. So how does that play into the experiences of ride-hailing drivers? Like, what does it look like in their actual lives? So this is sort of one of the most important points, I would say, of looking at the ethics of ride-hailing. Because within the constraints of freelancing, contract driving, for hire, gig economy, none of these drivers are getting a full range of benefits through their company. So whether it's health insurance, life insurance, car insurance, these are all coming out of their pockets for the most part. And that's a huge burden to consider. You know, if people are taking care of their own cars, whether they're leasing them or owning them, they're taking their own health insurance and probably have dependents a lot of times, um, you know, spouses and children on that too. That's thousands of dollars a month that's going out of their pockets. And so a lot of times if you talk to your driver, I've had a lot of conversations with Lyft and Uber and Juno drivers in New York they drive crazy amounts of hours to make up for those losses and they're paying their own gas and there's all these incremental things that come with not having benefits. And I think that that's where I landed when looking at something like VIA is that, okay, maybe their drivers are making a bit more money. Maybe the model is more environmentally friendly than other models. But nobody is getting a full range of benefits yet. None of these people who are driving full-time, supporting their families, a lot of times off of these salaries, are getting the social benefits of that. And so I think that that kind of is one of the most important things to think about here. And how does that compare to yellow taxis in New York, for example? So yellow taxis are interesting because they're sort of somewhere between public and private transit. They are part of city infrastructure. They're not, you know, companies that have just come in. But at the same time, the drivers get the medallions on their own and and 
there's a lot of individual responsibility, even with yellow cab driving. They're not just sort of employed by a company. So the average yellow car driver still has to think about health insurance and these sort of things on their own. There have been arrangements in the past where all the yellow cab drivers have formed guilds or or sort of uh, collectives and have gotten collective insurance or, um, you know, sort of collective plans for health and, and education and all these other things they wanted. And in that case, they just have bought into sort of a, a pot of, of uh, money so that it's cheaper for everyone to get these. But it's still not, you know, what a lot of people who are fully employed have. Yeah. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about that second part of VIA's model. In your article, you quoted the CEO of VIA, and he said that the goal of VIA from the beginning was to strengthen public transit, not replace it. And I'm curious, when you talked to him and did more research, what you learned that really means and if that's really true. I think it's, you know, as much as I would like to believe that companies have the capacity to be sort of out there for the public good. I think there's still always a bottom line to be considered. In terms of VIA, I absolutely do believe that they want to work with public transit systems. Um, Their new partnership in Los Angeles, for example, is to help people get to the train and offers like cheap fares and and a lot of times um, more affordable fares for people to actually use the rest of the public transit system because in LA it just doesn't reach um, as many places as you know someplace like New York does so I think there is some synergy there but I do also think that you know people who are sort of more purists when it comes to public transport will say there's really no other way to strengthen public transport than to invest in public transport and any private company that is coming in to sort of provide a bridge or a band-aid you know may actually retract from the pressure put on the public system to reach everybody and so I think there's two sides to the coin but I will say that the experts I talk to are more kind of balanced in that approach and and between public and private and believe that there is a space for private companies like VIA to exist, especially in places where building a new transit system is not a viable option right now. Yeah. Well, you 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 stole my next question, which was, you know, doesn't this all just kind of point to the fact that our cities need to invest in stronger, better functioning public transportation systems and then also policy changes that actually support that. But I'm curious sort of where where you landed personally when reporting this story. Like what were your broad takeaways from writing the feature and kind of what solutions did you end up thinking seemed the strongest? There's a quote from Gabe Klein in this story that I think probably underscores what where I am, which is that anything to get private cars off the roads right now should be our goal. I think that public transit is an incredible thing and can be an incredible equalizer, an economic boost to any city that should always be at the forefront of our minds. But um, there's a learning curve there. And if the learning curve is that we have to transfer from private cars to shared cars, 
and slowly get used to the idea of not owning or not needing to take our own rides, then I think all the tools we have, including something like VIA, are incredibly useful. And in that way, I guess I just want to be more of a pragmatist and see what can help. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Ankita. This was really interesting. Thanks. You can read the full article at vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. And make sure to tune in again on Monday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.